Welcome to Afternoon Delight. Real people, real stories, a local podcast for local artists. Hello everyone, thank you so much for joining Afternoon Delight. It is such a lovely pleasure to be doing this episode with one of my favourite drag entertainers that I've known for years. This is like, honestly, going back quite a while ago that we've, um, we worked together. And honestly, this has been such a lovely episode and such a great way to connect. I think we often forget, especially during the old pandemic, that Zoom digital technology really did save us in a way. I can't believe I'm going to say digital technology saved us, but in a way it kind of did. And the communication and being able to catch up and see how each other has transformed in literally 10 months is quite an eye-opener. And this episode is very special, so please do get excited for this one. A lot of people listening will probably be wondering who is the exceptional and final guest of Afternoon Delight Season 1 because I can't even believe this. But we've done a whole season of Afternoon Delight and I'm going to take a two-week holiday. Oh my god. There's a joke later on that you'll probably laugh at when me and this guest talk about that. But I'm not going to go too much into details because they've got plenty to say about themselves and that's what I love about them. It is one of Scotland's leading drag artists and artists in general. Um, one of my favourite performers that I worked with years ago back when we done a gig for Bart Collective, impersonating Charlotte Church. Yeah, I'll let us both tell you more about that. It is the amazingly talented Frangender. <laughs> Christmas, happy holidays, season greetings. If you're listening, I hope everyone's staying safe and well despite the unfortunate circumstances we are going through this week. We have got the last guest of season one of Afternoon Delight. I can't believe I actually made it through a whole season of something that isn't set in the city. It's truly marvellous. And the <laughs> way to end the season one and go full roundhouse and come back to one of my favourite Scottish Glasgow queens than the amazing transgender... <laughs> How you doing? Uh, you know what? I've had a, I've had a mixed day today. Like it started off really well. I've just recently um uh reorganized my sleep schedule where I'm waking up really early. Like I woke up at 6 a.m. this morning. Oh my god. Um I know, right? Uh and just in time for Christmas, I'm like cool. Uh, I'm going to get that good sunlight. I'm going to go out and have a walk. Because um, previously I was waking up at like 8pm. And that's like no good, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so I've been doing that. And that's made me feel really good about things. But like, I don't know, like, I'll find, and this might just be like a, a general brain thing and not just like within the circumstances we're in. But like, I will find that there will be times where something very minuscule will happen and my brain will be like oh oh this is terrible oh no 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 let's think about this for about an hour and then just spiral <laughs> uh so i've spent the last sort of hour spiraling a little bit but i've kind of stopped myself in my tracks a little before it got too bad but um 
to, to make a, a long mental story short, um, I'm doing okay today. I've, I've, I feel like generally I've been okay. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Do you know what? It's one of the hardest things, unfortunately, when you get like anxiety and intrusive thoughts and you get that one thing. I usually get that thing around about 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. I've gone to bed. I'm getting a very sleep. Took me 25 years to get a sleep ritual and actually get my sleep to normal. <laughs> I've totally empathized you, right? And sitting in bed and being like, oh, I should have done this today. Well, maybe I could go do it now and get that fixed for tomorrow instead. And your brain just completely snowballs. Um, but well done you for managing. And the good, well done for the sleep issue, because I don't know if you're like me, but I get really chronic seasonal affective when winter hits. Yeah. Yes, literally, especially this year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I, it's been sort of... Like, I'll fix it for a couple of days, and then I'll just have one day where my brain's like, oh, no, 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 we're going to stay up until 5 a.m. today for, for no reason. And then it just, I have to keep, do it again for another week. I have to sort it out. And it's so much harder to sort out. <laughs> because I, a lot of people know me, obviously, know that I'm, uh, I really struggle sleeping. And I've struggled sleeping my whole life, and I'm very much probably about 10 months of the year don't sleep and then I spend the two months between November to January sleeping constantly to recharge for the year essentially it's not effective when I know it kicks in is when I need to sleep all the time because you wake up and it's dark and then you go to bed and it's dark you don't if you're in that pattern of sleeping until a sort of mid-afternoon you go to bed late you just don't get a bit of daylight in that sort of routine yeah Totally. And like, especially obviously this year, whereas like right now we're, we're stuck inside. It's cold, just kind of shite weather most of the time. Whereas in summer, even though we were still in similar circumstances, I could just say, well, Hey, it's like, I've got no money just now. Um, I'm, I'm doing all this, that and the other thing. And I can't really, I can't, I'm trying, to for, I'm trying to form a coherent thought for a sec. Um, like, I'll try and convince myself to do something and leave the house. And then I'll just say, oh, I'll just go to the park with my friends and have a walk because it's summer and I can do that. Cool. But now it's like, I had to convince myself to go for a walk yesterday by myself. And I'm like, this is shit. It's cold. I hate it. <laughs> it's raining. <laughs> like... <laughs> So I'm coffee at a director's house who lives around the corner from me because we've been chatting about future work next year. And I was sitting having a coffee in her garden and was like, I'm freezing my tits off. Like, I actually want to go home. I was like, I, from the corner, and I'm like, I was excited by the fact that she was like, I'm really sorry if I asked to kick you out. I was like, no, I need to go home. I'm like ice right now. Like, and it came out of nowhere. <laughs> so anyway, we can talk all day. I know we can because I love chatting to you. But before we kind of get into the questions part of the interview, which is so exciting, could you um, introduce the people that are listening who I think a lot of people will know who you are, I'd hope, um, especially the drag scene. But if not, could you kind of um, tell people who you are for me? That would be really appreciated. Yeah, um, I'm transgender. My pronouns for the time being are they, them. And I am a drag uh, entertainer I don't I don't like to use the word queen uh because I feel like there, there's not necessarily a stigma with it but I think entertainer or performer just seems to encompass what I do better I think yeah. um but yeah I'm a drag entertainer uh, slash performer 
and general idiot. <laughs> like, I feel like if I were to ask people what my other defining characteristics other than drag are, they would go, you're an idiot. And I'm like, yes, I agree. <laughs> but you're a fantastic idiot. And I'm like, what are you? Fantastic think? idiot. But you're an idiot at all. I, but I'm you on that because I'll take your word. But... I love that you brought that conversation already because um, I came out as non-binary this summer and this has been quite new for me, explaining to people, you know, they, them, gender, because I'm very much she, her, and drag, and they, them, out of drag. I don't associate with him. I've just had to email the Herald, and they thankfully got back to me today, which was really good of them, that they had misgendered me throughout the whole article. Oh, right. This part about that was that the reporter had contacted me saying, hello, we would like to interview you and use a statement. And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. I'd really, like, like the idea was 21 people to watch out for in 2021. I thought, that's lovely. I'd love to do that. Yeah. And then within two minutes, it became, he does this, he has CF. And I was like, Jesus Christ. But the ironic part was I sent a statement being like, I am non-binary, use they, them, or if you're talking about me in drag, use she, her. Here is a photo, but they've just went away and done what they wanted anyway. And they emailed me saying they were so embarrassed. They're chasing the person up who's on annual leave, obviously, with Christmas. Because I didn't think I'd get an email on the 21st of December. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I'm really glad you brought this conversation about drag queens, kings, entertainers. You know, I've often introduced myself as a drag artist. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of my drag's never really been about appearing as sort of female impersonation it's about the art form and just the the masking of it it's great yeah and even then like I've used artists in the past but I think if I were to generalize everything I do there is art in parts of it but again a lot of the time I just like doing stupid stuff so I think entertainer kind of encompasses or like um yeah I think entertainer kind of it's a better or performer totally because yeah so i'm gonna give people a bit of backstory for us then of the questions and we're gonna go and we're gonna dissect all of this and we're gonna get into it and i'm very excited for it and this is this is christmas for me because it's the last guest of afternoon delight so i'm so glad everyone's joining me so franz and i i guess the best way for me to describe this had a lovely thing happen that we performed together years ago for the bark collective with Lorna Kicks Brody, and we had yes. it was me, you, Harlow, uh, Boylesque, and oh, I'm so bad, I do know their name. It's in my head. Meshach, Michelle, Michelle, mm-hmm. you drag anymore. I know who you're talking me. about as well. No, I, I've got them on Facebook, they're lovely. I don't think they do drag anymore, but basically, us four artists were chosen as an eclectically mm-hmm. bunch to perform at the new Riki Festival in the museum. And the weirdest, to this day, still one of the weirdest gigs I've ever done purely for the concept, that we were playing four different variations of Charlotte Church throughout her life. And I remember walking in the room and I was nervous as hell. I was so stressed. I was like, oh God, I'm gonna have to go and do this performance. I don't know anyone there. I'm so intimidated. Cause I hadn't been told who else was there. And I walk in, I'm like, oh, Franz, magic, right. I'm not on my own. I know someone. <laughs> and was that gig was hilarious. It was such a because str- I think whilst it was happening, I didn't really take into account how strange the whole process was. 
But now I'm thinking about it, and I forget all the time that it happened. But like every time it pops into my head, I'm like, that that's like a fever dream of a show. And I don't think I've ever done anything like it since. It's it was so strange. I think for me it was because we literally were actually next door to Charlotte Church, who was in yeah. a who we got to eventually meet in kind of a weird way that she looked at us because we weren't I mean, I won't I won't lie, you looked gorgeous, but we didn't look like Charlotte Church. And oh, not at all. I just brought what I had. I didn't even try to look like her. Like, to Lorna, right? She was so annoyed, and it, she wasn't annoyed at me, but she was annoyed at the situation. She said, I've seen a photo of you wearing this gorgeous blue dress. I turned up wearing a silver, like, sparkly sequin dress with a blazer. And she's like, Where's the blue dress? I was like, My cat pissed on it. <laughs> and she looked so annoyed, and she went, Okay, it'll have to do. But obviously, I didn't bear in mind that the dress did show that I had armpit hair. And I get right. I was living for the androgyny to it, but. Yeah, we did that sort of performance on the balcony that <laughs> you doing PSU on the Jonathan Ross show. And then I <laughs> rugby ball. And then Harlow done this like song, I can't remember what it is, but it was like Charlotte Church doing her sort of like folk music. And the one before that was Michelle doing the Charlotte Church show. <laughs> And honestly, to this day, I'm just, I often think about it. And there's, the video's still on YouTube, fans. The bar, Is it? You can still watch us, yeah. I'd, I'd be terrified. So funny. And then obviously we ran downstairs and I was wearing these horrific pre I remember saying to you, you were like, are you okay? Because you're not running in these. And I was like, they're pre-mark. And you went, say no more. <laughs> you know, burn, don't they? And I went, they burn. Is it so? I might be making this up in my head. Did we also not do your disco needs you? So we went downstairs to your disco needs you, and then we went into um, smells like teen spirit. Yeah, because I remember I had to run down for the beginning of it, and then run back up to do the the sort of spoken French part, <laughs> and then run back down. It was. It was an experience, and I just remember Lorna saying, yeah, I think we're going to, like, go home now, because this was quite, as much as it was fun, it was very middle-class, serious. Oh. That I think they didn't anticipate drag queens were going to be doing Charlotte Church. <laughs> could tell that the entire time, there was maybe two women in the audience that I could tell maybe either ha- had been to a drag show or, like, knew about drag enough that they were like, oh, that's interesting. The entire rest of the audience were just... Even though we were on the balcony above them, I could feel them looking down on us a little bit. <laughs> it was down on them, and they didn't, like, that so look down on us. Like, that was... It was... I don't know. It just felt so awkward immediately after we stopped performing. I was like, yeah, we should just go. So yeah. Cool. <laughs> because I... The only- was I remember was that she was like oh can you do Charlotte Church crazy check and I'd literally done it at the church I kicked like three weeks beforehand and was like I've literally just done this and she was like really and I went yeah this is literally the easiest money I can make because turn up do my thing um, and I guess it was great that me and you kind of had both short brown wigs on that match but it, it, it was definitely it's funny it's up there with one of my credits purely for the banter but I do sometimes forget that yeah I actually went in a room to Charlotte Church and said hello and performed <laughs> song, and 
it wasn't something I anticipated, but sometimes the funniest stories are ones you can share like that, that people listening to this might go, Georgian Brands did what? <laughs> yeah, like legitimately, it's one of those things that sits in the back of my mind and then every so often I'm like, God, I did do that, didn't I? <laughs> and I've often loved that we've had that connection. It's been such a nice thing for me. Um, yeah. Forming with you, which I've loved. So let's get the interview started. Yeah. I, I know stuff about you, but I don't know everything, and I'm no nosy. So what kind of got you first into performing and drag? Well, I feel like I've always been a wee fucking joke. Can we swear? <laughs> oh, swear, babe. I say cunt in a brand. Just don't, Okay, thank God. Because I don't like the Tories, but... <laughs> okay. Um, no, I've always been a wee fucking attention seeker, so... Even though I wasn't necessarily on stage or anything, as a kid, I would wail. If I was going to cry, I was going to make sure the entire room knew. I was get the entire house, the house next to us would know. If I was angry, I would scream. I would be the most angry person. And I feel like it's like the, um, I think it's the quote from um, First Wives Club or something similar where, she, where it's like, I'm an actress. I have all the emotions. <laughs> I'm literally that. Like, I I feel like my entire life has been a weird performance. So, like, I feel like, yeah, I've always been into performing. And then I did, like, I always say it, I did about 10 years of drama before I turned 18. And I think it's true because I started taking classes really young and I was the, God bless my parents, I was this wee fat freckly thing look, look, looking like um, Bruce Bog Trotter kind of. <laughs> and I was like, I'm gonna be on the stage. And my parents were like, sure, go ahead. <laughs> so they put me in classes and like, uh, like was like, um, like weekend things like they would have after school and all that. Um, and I can't really, I can't really pinpoint any interesting things during that. I was just like, I, although I will admit, and this, uh, we'll get to drag eventually, I promise. But there's one story that always jumps to my mind where we had just finished a regional production in Inverness, a regional production of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, in which I didn't play any of the brothers. I was townsman number two. <laughs> and we were at the rap party. And I remember there was a moment that clicked in my head where I was like, I think at this point I was 17 or just about to turn 18. And I realized I was the annoying theater kid where I was, we were doing like a, a cast party sort of karaoke. And I just sort of had a had an out of body experience where I was like, I don't know if I was arguing with someone or I, I felt like I was being really loud. And then I just jumped out of my body. I was like, you're the person you don't, you're that person that you don't like. You're turning into that person. And then I was like, oh no. So when it came to, um, picking a college, I had the choice between musical theatre college, which I would have had to, uh, which wouldn't have been covered by SAS, or I could have gone to a college that did uh, music and music business, 
um, that did get covered by SAS, I was like, I might just take a break from theater for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I still turned out just as annoying, I imagine, but <laughs> I, I don't know. There's something, there's, I don't know why that just came to my heart, that story, but. Um, no, it's lovely. It's a lovely story. I take it when you describe the theater kids, right? I just want to kind of get this inside what you mean. Do you mean the sort of Rachel Berry of the sort of group? Like, I mean, I didn't say I was going to shit in anyone's wig, but... Um, I don't know. <laughs> no, but um, I, I could just... Now that I think back on it, there were... I was just a very loud, obnoxious kid, and I think it came from, again, very emotional, very uh, loud about my emotions, and uh, that mix of I got a crumb of attention through theatre, so now I want it all. And I think being given like those two things intertwining, it's just it's too much for my brain to handle. And then it just it's I just become a very annoying being to be around. Um, so I think after that, I took time to sort of reflect inward and go, okay, you clearly need to take a step back from this kind of environment because you're turning into someone you don't want to be. Uh, and then I went to college for a music business, which. Um, it, like picture this 18 moving to glasgow knowing no one from i knew no one in glasgow from inverness mm-hmm. um didn't really even talk to the like the few people that i because i went into halls the few people that i shared the kitchen with i didn't really talk to until like six months in like i didn't i i found it very hard to make friends and then I started hanging around with the college kids uh, who <laughs> were all either my age and in the same situation as me or 25 or, or around 25 and were like the perpetual stoner student vibes. Right, okay, yeah. Guess who I made friends with? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I can guess, but let's uh, let the listeners into that. Who was it you chose? Let's just say I went to a lot of house parties that lasted a three-day weekend. <laughs> I mean, what's a house party if it doesn't last three days, babe? Let's face it. Like, you're going to yeah. go all out. <laughs> really, but, um, yeah. So I learned to, if anything, I learned to chill the fuck out. <laughs> Which was interesting. Um but yeah, so finally getting into drag. Um, during sort of the last year of college, um, I started to get into makeup more um, because before I had left for college, my friend had given me, like one of my best friends, Chloe from Inverness, she had given me this tin of like kind of cheap drugstore makeup. Um, and she said, oh, this is, this is for you. I know you've been wanting to play with it for a while. Uh, so she, she sent that with me. And I sort of started dipping into it with all my free time because that's all I had. Um, and then I started thinking about it. I was like, oh, okay. And then I started watching Drag Race. Mm-hmm. I think the first season I saw was season five? Season five, I think. I think, I can't remember. So it was around that time. And um, I started to realize that 
oh, maybe I should maybe I should be um trying something like that because previously I had seen the movie Party Monster. Oh, one of my favorite movies and one of Lucy's obviously favorite movies. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, and I sort of looked at that. So the kind of makeup I was doing at the time was just like, this isn't even a face. This is just a, a canvas. So I wasn't even going with my features. I was doing the weirdest stuff. And then I saw Drag Race. And I was like, oh, maybe I should try that. And then I saw almost immediately after that that there was a local drag show called Lacey Rain's Tea Party. Right. And the first drag show that I went to, lo- a local drag, I don't know, quote unquote, but um, the first local show that I went to where I met other drag queens properly was Lacey Rain's Tea Party. And I think that around that time I started going to Blue Girl shows and then I started getting into the gay scene and then it all just sort of, it was like a tidal wave of gay came in and t- into my life. I was like, oh, this is happening, I guess. <laughs> Love that. That's brilliant. Um, when was yeah. did you? So when you went to that uh, Lacey show, what year was that? Can you remember? I know all the years blur into one, but I'm just trying to like work out what you've been doing drag for then. 2015? Right, okay, yeah. 14? It was around that. I think it might be 15. Because the year I left school was 2012. And I had been in college for about two years at that point. So it might have been 14, 15-ish. Right. Um, But yeah. And I went out. I I remember what I was wearing. I went out. And because I still had that good, good SAS money, I went to... Shop on the corner. Um, I'm trying to think. It's not American Apparel. It's the other really needlessly expensive one. Oh, Forever Twenty One. No. Ah, it doesn't matter. But I went in there and I got this like kind of cool looking black kimono. Well, I can see that for you. Yes, thing. And I got a horrendous blonde bob that I didn't brush. I didn't do anything with. It was like the the horrendous blonde bob, like a Smithies classic. And I did my face and makeup that didn't match the rest of my body. And yeah, I think I I saw Lacey, Perry Sizing, October 1st. I think Alice was actually doing a spot there. And I think Alice was one of the first queens I saw and went, Oh, she's really good. Like, I think she was performing um, that Smokey Joe's song, Smokey Joe's Cafe. Yes. And I just remember looking at her like, oh, wow. Like, that's the kind of stuff I would expect to see on the TV. Like, I, I just remember being awestruck. And then after that, I was like, right. I have, I found a way to infuse my stupid, like, um, my, my need for attention and this theater personality, but also I can mix in this weird kind of musician, uh, not, what's the word? Like a weird sort of musicality and, Mm -hmm. um, love of idiocy I guess that I've learned like just to chill like I can I can mix those two together I was like oh, 
perfect. And then I started like doing more typical human drag, I guess. <laughs> Do you know what? I love that. I didn't know any of that about you because like you're so spending time with you and especially before the pandemic and I ran into your tracks and watched your hilarious Dolly Parton and Max you did. Like <laughs> so um lovely to chat to and you've got such a nice sort of maternal thing about you like an aura that I love that you're very like I don't know goofy is maybe a nice word but it's it's play yeah. aura that I really um I do like and I think it's great and I didn't realize that was kind of your story I didn't realize that you I know a, a party monster for me has always been a massive um influence in the queer community especially the 90s club kids you know it showed to me drag can be done in different ways more as an art form yeah. than female nation <laughs> and I didn't realize that you were that into it though, which is so great because it's one thing I love about drag, especially with being a drag DJ, was always in a club kids scene. And um, yeah, that's brilliant. So before the pandemic did happen, obviously, I mean, at Christ, it feels like it was 10 months ago now, and it's just insane. Um, before that was kind of happening, what were you kind of doing regularly in drag? Um, so I was working between five and seven nights a week usually um I think just before everything sort of halted um yeah I think that would have been the case I had just finished um like a national tour with Violet because Violet and the like again one of the best things I've ever done and it was because Violet invited me to go on this tour with her uh with Blank Mask and it, it was such a great time and so yeah I was just coming off of that and I was getting loads of bingo shows with Rue and CJ and that with the bingo babes I was I was working at Katie's regular like I had so much going on and I almost didn't really have time to sort of sit and think about what I was doing. I was just sort of doing it. Yeah, you're similar to me because I, before the pandemic, was like doing a course part-time at uni in performance art. But on top of that, I was literally doing three club nights a month, doing a show every week. I wasn't really taking time to sit and actually take it all in. I was just doing it and making money because, one, I was very privileged that I was making money at what I love doing. Uh-huh. To I'm very much a person with the pandemic, especially that I liked to keep busy to help deal with my mental health issues. It kept me focused. It gave me something to fixate on that would yeah. help me sleep at night. Um, I knew I saw that you were well. You're not hosting karaoke at Katie's at one point as well. I would do anything and everything at Katie's. To be honest, I did karaoke. I did bingo at one point, which I mean it didn't go great, but I would do it in a swimming pool. Uh, we do um, the Mondays uh, with the show downstairs. Um, I would do most of my stuff at Katie's, actually. Katie's was uh, like a second home, and I had a bunch of stuff that I would just leave there at one point because I was working often. <laughs> we do brunches. Um, but wow. yeah. That's amazing. And then obviously you were doing Trigger on Thursdays at AXM, weren't you? Yeah, so like the regular gigs would be like I would do Katie's twice, maybe three times a week, probably more often twice. Um, I do most, if not every Thursday at AXM, and then just sort of build around that. 
amazing so what tell me then because this is not obviously a question i could have thought of but it came to me now so what was it like touring with that gig that must have been such a rewarding experience for you and could you also explain to people what the gig was because obviously i don't know this what this group are so it'd be great if you could kind of um, give us some information yeah so it was about i, I can't remember when violet asked me but basically violet had been in uh got had uh what am I trying to say? The so uh, blank mass. They're um, I don't really know how to describe it. I would have to Wikipedia to get a proper explanation. But it's kind of, uh, and in all truth, it's not the kind of music I would go out of my way to listen to normally. Uh, but it's kind of like heavy, experimental, almost kind of. Let me let me let me Google it. I I wanna I wanna know. I'm just gonna Google this quickly. <laughs> I do apologize. Watched a video that you had posted, right? And I think it was a fan had tagged in it, right? And you were doing a performance. It looked very much like experimental live art with music. Do you know what I mean? Like that sort of So yeah. So the genres that come up are electronic, post-rock, experimental, drone music. I don't know what that means. Um, but it's very much like five and a half minute long songs. You'll, you'll go through an entire journey. It's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's not easy listening. I'll put, I'll put it that way. Uh, but I think, um, uh, I, I hope I'm not doxing him by saying it because his name is out there, but Ben, the person who is, is blank mass, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess had been to CC's to see Violet perform at one point uh, and then got in contact with Violet and said, hey, I'm going to be doing a tour around the UK and I want you to come with me. Um, Do you know anyone else who would want to come along? And I guess Violet thought I was a good candidate. So she brought me along. Um, uh, And I think her words were, uh, you're one of the few people I could be around in such close proximity and I probably wouldn't want to kill you by the end of it. <laughs> Which is fair enough. <laughs> you know, like, I'll take that. So, um, yeah, we went on this gig uh, all around the UK. We did 12 dates, I think it was, something like that. And it lasted about a month. Um from like the beginning of November just to the beginning of December. And it was wild. Like we were, we were using a a bus and it wasn't like a huge bus, but it did have a wee bed in the back, which came in handy so often. Did you? (laughs) Uh, I got a little bit of, to be honest, I don't usually sleep when I'm like on transport. But yeah. that was one of the few times I slept on a top of the bus. Um, but yeah, and like especially the last few gigs because they were so widely spaced out. I think the last one we had before going back to Glasgow was Plymouth. Oh my so we went from Plymouth to Glasgow. <laughs> you would have slept though. That would have been a long journey. You could have actually just... That would be you catching up for all the fucking nights you hadn't slept. And- oh, 
Yeah, I think we. I think I just I stayed over at Ben's place in the just outside at Glasgow the next day because I was just we couldn't do it all in one night. Yeah. Um, Performances? Did you? So I, I was so unsure about what to do because obviously these people are here to see experimental drone music. <laughs> like, what the fuck do you perform? And then Ben sort of reassured us both and said, just do what you normally do. That's why I hired you. That's why I brought you. Wow. So I was like, okay. So I I think the first night me and Violet did what we'd usually do. And then I realized might have to tailor it a little bit because <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sure if it was the audience or not. But um, yeah, we sort of, um, I think I ended up choosing stuff that was more like, I don't, I don't think I did the nine to five mix uh, because I thought that would just be taking the piss uh, with these people. So I did something, some similar stuff. And I think what they appreciated um, being the audience that they are was they appreciated like sound engineering sort of thing. So if you had like a cleverly made mix and it sounded good, they enjoyed that. So I would choose really fun mixes like my Vogue mix, like just, and they, they also just enjoy like silly gay stuff. So I'm like, cool, I'll give you silly gay stuff. Um, but yeah, I like Violet would just, ugh. I mean, Violet's Violet. Violet does the splits over any straight guy and they're like, yes, what? <laughs> like, it's just amazing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was so much fun. That's incredible. That's like quite a good high to be on, obviously, before the pandemic, which I know is bittersweet because then you've got to come down from that, which is obviously rubbish. But, I mean, well done you. That's incredible work to actually be able to save people. You went... I have not known many drag queens to go to it with an electronic experimental group. Do you know? <laughs> when you, yeah. you don't know any. It's, yeah, it's, it's not your everyday gig. I'll, I'll look at that. <laughs> <laughs> What's it been like? You know, you're welcome to tell people listening any sort of events that have happened. What's it been like after, obviously, Miss Rona hit in bloody March, you know, the last sort of 10 months, essentially? How has the pandemic affected drag, I guess? Obviously, a lot of people will probably know it's all difficult, but has it impacted on you? Um, I mean, it's completely uprooted my only means of support. Like, it's, it's like, and I always think I'm being overly dramatic when I say stuff like this, but, like, my entire life was just doing drag, get paid, go to sleep, do more drag. Like I didn't really think about much else yeah. to the point where I was almost actually, it was affecting my health because I wouldn't think about myself outside of drag, yeah. uh, which, you know, I, could, I guess you could take away was a good thing that happened recently, but yeah it's when it hit it just sort of everything halted and then i was like oh i guess i've got like a month off guess i'll sit on my arse and do some self-reflecting which i did a lot of and i was like okay cool so after about a month i was feeling okay i was like right okay i just can't wait to get back into this and then as more time goes on you sort of think oh this is going to be a lot longer than I thought. Mm -hmm. And then it, you start to question, like, 
am I just gonna have to get like a regular job now? I am I just gonna have to give up drag altogether? Like all of these thoughts have come across me at one point, and I think where I am now, I'm still obviously there's been many revelations, yeah. and I'm hopeful for next year where there will there there now will be a post vaccine at some point world yeah which i'm looking forward to but i again i've learned not to be too hopeful at this point so i'm still sort of in this limbo of i would like to get doing drag as soon as possible but i am occupying my time with a lot of other things and focusing on other projects right now in the hopes that for whatever reason drag doesn't come back or I'm not I just don't want to do it anymore I have other things that's so because I didn't before (laughs) but that's so healthy I just want to say this as you know like someone that had the exact same experiences as you back in March where I was like I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm not someone that can turn out digital content every day for the rest of my life on YouTube. I'm not someone, like, who am I to get, like, a video up on YouTube and expect people to give me 50 quid a day? Like, it's not going to happen like that. Um, Yeah. We spent three months kind of, like, I had an MA to finish and was, like, all my work was live performance and I've got no way of filming that and putting that all together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was a very difficult time and I took the first two months like you to go right well let's sit and just actually deal with this and go through it and I kind of also was the same that when I was allocated the 12 weeks for shielding I went right well for me this is going to be a you're in the house for 12 weeks mm-hmm. but my hope was oh well 12 weeks a vaccine will be here and it's the reason they're keeping me safe is because I can then get that and physically back to normal and here we are 10 months later and I've not even had the vaccine and it's out do you know what I mean yeah so resonate what you say though that at least there is a vaccine because in march there was nothing and yeah we were all going on a hope six months later there was talk about a vaccine come christmas we thought will it happen now we are looking at potentially a vaccine and people hopefully all can have had it by sort of february march but i was tweeting lady rampant and chatting to her about this yesterday that you know this is very much going to be a resurrection process of bringing everything back and building it up from the ground. That took yeah. five years, but we will do it. And it just unfortunately will take time. But the healthiest thing you've mentioned that I'm so impressed by is having things in place if you don't want to return to it. Because when I spoke to Rune and CJ on their screen queens, yeah, we talking about at one point how drag can sometimes make you lose your like sense of identity and it becomes your only thing. And I think you can kind of relate with me on this, that when you're doing it so much, you then don't realize who you actually are. Oh, absolutely. Like when I think of the amount of time I spent doing drag instead of like, looking into glaringly obvious things that were going wrong in my mental health and I just went I'm too busy I'm too busy to think about that and that's fine if I'm busy I'm fine so as soon as you're not busy you're like oh okay I guess I'll deal with all this now then (laughs) and yeah yeah like all of the time we've had to think it's given me like 
it's given me the time that I desperately needed to sort of look back and go, oh, so this thing that happened a year ago was not normal and I should have been paying attention to and now it's manifested in a very different and more worrying way. And if I'd just taken a day to think about it before, <laughs> it wouldn't have been too much of a problem. Um, what you mean? Yeah. So in terms of obviously you've spent a lot of time clearly getting a toolbox together, I would call it, of things that you now do that aren't in track, right? So yeah. everyone can totally um, relate to doing something like that. What kind of things are you now doing that you wouldn't have maybe been having the time to do beforehand? Um, so right now, uh, I think mostly I'm spending my time doing Twitch, which I think, so when we were doing all of our online shows and stuff, I sort of made like a list of things that I probably needed in the future if I was going to continue doing it. So I was like, I was working off of a laptop at the time that wasn't terribly strong, uh, and couldn't really do a lot with. So I was like, right, I'm probably going to need to get a new computer at some point i'm probably gonna need to get lighting i'm probably gonna put this that and the other thing and i just sort of looked at this list and i it was overwhelming because it was a lot of money mm. and then the i guess the one good thing i can say the government did was uh i got at well although it took a month of complaining i got um my newly self-employed hardship fund same yeah which was two grand it was two grand and they said hey do do with this what you will this is yours so i paid my rent for the month and said let's just go down the list so i went down the list i got my computer which is still the most expensive thing i've ever bought in my life and i'm very scared about it <laughs> <laughs> i'm just staring at her right now uh, I got a microphone, I got this whole setup, and I said, right, let's make some drag. And I was like, or let's not do that because I don't want to right now and try and look into other stuff. So then I found Twitch, which I had been using to do shows, like drag shows. And then I sort of started looking at the kind of communities that you can find on there. I was like, Oh, actually, this looks fun because it's. Oh, I, 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 as I was looking at it then, it was like, oh, it's, it's people having fun and playing games. Like, duh, everyone loves it. And I love watching stuff like this. I would watch it on YouTube. Oh, really? So I was like, I would love to be a part of something like that. And I was like, well, I have all the stuff for it. <laughs> so, so, yeah, like three months ago, I was just like, fuck it, let's just start, just start doing this. And Funnily enough, I've met an entirely new community and group of friends that I talk to almost daily now who live nowhere near me and I otherwise would have never even known about. And uh, on top of obviously being able to talk to people and knowing a bunch of people now that I otherwise wouldn't, it's removed from the drag scene because, again my entire life was the drag scene and I would only have friends who were involved in the scene and all we would talk about was the scene. Yeah. Uh, so being able to sort of disconnect from that has sort of taught me that I don't necessarily, and this isn't to sound 
disrespectful in a way because I think it might come out this way, but whatever you want. I don't necessarily need this one community to build my entire self around. I can be this fully formed person, but also like more than one thing. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not that I need to, you know, talk about drag and talk to drag performers and have that in my mind at all times like I can talk about other things and still be interesting <laughs> you know what's so funny right I think it's it's again it's a credit to you being such a lovely and welcoming person that you're like I think this might not be good to say this but I am not scared to say what I think and how I feel about things and I hear that and go that is so healthy and really good that you're saying that and doing that because I have spent years of my life, and it was, again, a thing I brought up when I chatted to Lee Rampant on Twitter and stuff. I spent years of my life that drag became so much, I, you're engrossed in it so much that you get involved in the drama, you get involved in seeing people out of drag on nights out when you're not in drag. Your whole life becomes that, that then you lose your sense of identity, but also it then makes it difficult for you to then want to go to work and do the stuff because you're always around it. And one thing I did years ago was go, well, do you know what? Drag has worked for me. And a lot of my friends are not people that do drag. And I've always had that for the last week's three years, right? And it really saved me because mm-hmm. it go, oh, I want to have friends that are into these sort of things and we don't chat with drag. Because it then made it easier for me then to go into drag and enjoy it more because it's like drag, drag, drag. You don't want to do that. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. Hearing you say, like, oh, I've went into this Twitch streaming and realized I can be this person outside of it. I'm like, that is amazing. That's so needed. Yeah, definitely. Because, like, every so often I'll, like, check, quote-unquote, check in on this scene and I'll be, like, obviously the first thing I'm doing in my head is, like, what's the drama these days? What's happening now? Let's go on Twitter and see what's going on. Um, And I'll just be, like, genuinely, I'll be, like, I don't know who this is about. I don't know who these people are. And to be quite honest, good. <laughs> like, it's like, um, like I never was one to indulge in drama too much. Like, obviously I've been a part of my dramas, but I usually try and like take care of them myself. I don't usually go online about it. Unless you're a certain person. Uh, <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, I'm just like every so often I'll just look at a tweet and I'm like, wow, I don't care about this at all. Cool, okay, move on. <laughs> like, it's just it's great, it's really funny. You must feel less anxious as well. Like, so many people get anxious because they fix it on these things, so that must be great for your mental health. Yeah, and like, I'll, I'll sometimes talk to people and they'll be like, oh, did you hear about this? And then they'll explain to me what's going on. I'm like, why do you care? Like, it honestly doesn't make sense to me sometimes when people, like, like, I'll get the old message every so often. I'm like, why, why is this necessary? Like, obviously, if you want to go ahead and do that, that's fine. But, like, I'm just like, I just don't get that frame of mind anymore at all. <laughs> it's silly. More happy and light note, right? I noticed that you and the Trigger Girl sometimes are doing streaming online on Facebook. So could you kind of talk a bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, we were doing it um, for a long while. We were doing Trigger Online, which was, we would, uh, 
I think it started off we were like performing online like live which worked for a while yeah. um and then eventually we started making stuff for other stuff and for trigger specifically so we would make um pre-packaged videos which was fun for a while um but then it got to the point where like we realized that the people were watching for us mostly and like obviously the performances were good but like it was almost like it was just good to hang out as a group even though we're not performing so we stopped performing pretty much all together and then we'd have the odd performance like we had one but it would just turn it just turned into like us chatting for like four five six hours sometimes <laughs> and we like often we would just have drinks and just chat shit and it was just fun to chat with people um we have stopped doing that um but who knows we might just start up again like it's it's not something that we've ever said this is going to happen every week uh, and that's it or now we've stopped and it's never going to happen again. like it's just sort of been like we feel like doing it this week so we're going to do it this week and I quite like having the sort of no pressure about it it felt like to watch it it felt like a nice untucked in the sense that it's, oh, yeah. It looked like you were all having a nice drink, catch them and drag. It felt nice to also, for me, when I then got out of my rut and went, right, digital performance, watch YouTube videos, how do I edit videos, what do I have to download, what do I have to do, got my hardship fund, what can I invest my money into, it'll help me long term. And when I'd seen you all doing that, I thought, this is different and this is nice because it's showing that drag wasn't just about being on stage and performing and being like look at me it was actually a sense of community that I really loved I thought that was lovely to see that yeah, yeah. and I think that sometimes is needed to remember that it is also a nice community and, and friendships were made and still are there from it yeah like it's just fun to chat like and I don't think people do that as much as uh, they would like to totally yeah mm. so the last performance I saw you do live was that Dolly Parton one which he'll think is fucking hilarious but we done obviously Lola's show the Christmas with friends one yes. it was so lovely to see you live perform because that's something I'm not seeing enough of actually in the drag community is a lot of people were wanting to digital polish refined videos etc which is totally fine but I loved watching you live perform because for me I'm missing the stage live performances the fact that you put the star on and at one point you were just kind of yeah, that cheeky smell you did. I was like, oh my God, you're taking it so serious, but I'm loving <laughs> on Les Mis stars. <laughs> it was you know, awesome. Sometimes I just get these ideas, just go with it. And I was like, that to me sometimes is the best performances. Yeah, like I was going to do another song completely. I was going to, I think I was going to do Oh Holy Night. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want to do this song. And then I was like, I've still got this star from like two years ago. I was like, let's just do something with stars in the name. I was like, oh, Lima is perfect. And I just did that. I've always heard as well, you've always been one of the ones I remember that's first sung in drag. And I always really envied that and was like, oh, I wish I was that confident because I think you've got a gorgeous voice, really rich, really lovely to listen to. And I was like, oh, I wish I could do that. And, but I'm not confident enough. And now that's me when, you know what? Like, why not? I'll go and sing lessons on Zoom yeah. for doing it. I'm loving it. Um, and yeah, do you know what? It's so funny you saying about that song because when you just said there, like, 
I don't want to do this one anymore. And she needs finger friends and she's like, and do you know what, Ross? I don't want to play your family anymore. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you were just like, no, I wasn't feeling it. And it was just brilliant. And it was so you. I know that's, it's easy for me to say that because I know you and I've seen you from, <laughs> oh, you said to me that, I went, that is fans. That is the fans I love. Like, it was so great. <laughs> what your favorite performance you've ever done? You can have um, a drag artists have had three. They've chosen their top three. So you can have three if you want. Um, let's think of like ones that stick out. One that sticks out immediately is when I performed for the um, Best Drag Queen in Scotland Awards. And it was at a really tumultuous time in my life because I, I think that was around the time I was... That was the year I moved, I think, four times in a year. Wow. Uh, and I was about to move again. And I think the day before, or like a couple of days before the final, I was told by the people I was currently living with that I just needed to move out. Because it was like a weird sublet kind of situation. I took the first thing I could find. Yeah. So I remember... I, I made this mix that is like this super powerful kind of like typical drag pageant mix that I would like to do and it just sort of was the one thing that I would turn it on I was like fucking yes okay let's just let's just do this and then I didn't win but I remember performing that and it was you can tell me shit you can tell me anything and then I look back now and I'm like I could tell myself a couple of things. <laughs> um, but I remember that one. And I think, I'm trying to remember what was in it. It was like um, Jesse J in it. And there was like a bunch of other stuff. Uh, it had applause in it. I remember that at the end. Amazing. I think that was one of the last times I attempted a split because I think after that was when my legs started to bugger up. <laughs> um, what other ones? When I do closer the nine inch nails cover the in this moment one, yeah, I love doing that. It's one of my favorite things to perform, but obviously, I don't do it very often because one, there's a lot of blood involved, and I know Edgy Queen uses blood, calm down, but still. Um, also, most things I've ever done at Hellbent, I'm very happy with. Like, there's something about Cat House as a venue and Hellbent as a night that is just like nothing, nothing, no other show that I've ever done. Yeah. It's just so much fun. And every time I perform there, I'm like, oh, this is why, this is why I should be doing. When people, people listening might not know what Hellbent was, could you just tell me what Hellbent was if you wouldn't mind? So Hellbent was a monthly show that would be the last Sunday first Sunday every month I think it was first Sunday of every month um at Cat House which is like a, a rock club in Glasgow and it was a more alternative based drag show where even we as Trigger were forced to sort of like think outside the box and try and pick more sort of alternative things to perform and I know I struggled with it a couple of times because sometimes I just want to be silly and sometimes being silly to a musical theater song is not quite what Cat House was built for. Yes. 
so I'm like, okay, I'll be silly, but I'll do it to this song instead. And it kind of works out. But yeah, it was, it, and it was a lot of, um, there was a lot more creative license with Cat House because obviously Cat House is a venue is built for bands. It's built for like proper, it's a proper venue. And, um, and not to say a lot of yeah. clubs and that aren't proper venues, but they're not. So, um, <laughs> like, they can't, they can't harbor a lot of space for drag queens. But, yeah. like, this, like, Cat House has, like, two backstage areas. Like, we would only use the one, obviously. Yeah. They would, they would boost us up significantly, which helped a lot. Um, a rock and roll lifestyle, that's amazing. It was, it was a lot. Um, and yeah, like the the stage was big. You could uh, they had someone who did the lights, which as a drag performer, you need blows my mind that it's the one place I would perform that had lighting cues. Like, <laughs> like performing in Delmonica's as amazing as it is, there's only so many times I can sort of walk off stage and realize oh I, I need to be on the stage this tiny little square so that people can see my face <laughs> church every week like you know the wee square stage that then the rabbit hole well and then you do like when i did it was like oh my god an actual stage with a lighting rig what is this <laughs> it was it's the best feeling in the world when the beat drops and something happens like <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, yeah, if I had to answer just anything in Hellbound, which would be perfect. You would, I can imagine, I've seen videos because I never came through for the gigs, so I never uh, could come through Glasgow gigs, but I can imagine you'd be in your element. I can oh, very much so. And it makes sense that you then would be amazing on a touring show with uh, an electronic band doing these things. You're, you're incredible. We... Stage girl. You're... <laughs> <laughs> Um, EJ this normally Fafnum's like would do a sort of what are your goals moving at the pandemic I don't really want to ask that so okay. what I'd ask you, I'm ask you as the two kind of guests this week what are your goals for 2021 if you've got any kind of goals they can be personal and work related but um, CJ gave me a few and we had discussed them and I had said some of mine were to spend more time with family when it was possible mine was to go back to dating these are like personal ones. And then work-wise, mine were, was to kind of start the house liability live on Friday nights, which is confirmed. It's a case of when, not if, but that's exciting. And I'll be looking for a new resident in the new year, which is exciting. And we're going to do a competition, which is really exciting. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, we're coming up with names. I think we kind of, at one point, we're like Battle of the Beat, which is a bit, but, you know, there's options, but um, we'll be yeah. New resident, which will be really exciting. So they're kind of my goals. Is there any kind of that come to mind for you? Um, so I think if, if I'm going to talk about like work stuff first, I think one goal that I've had forever that I would like to get done this year, if possible, uh, is I would like to have a night that I can call my own in a way that, so like, I've, it's, it, I'm trying to think, like, a lot of performers, when 
they've performed for a certain amount of time go, right, I think it's about time I get my own show. And then they go out and get the show and then they realize that it's a lot of work and then they kind of either don't do it as well as they could and carry on or they just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen that happen so much over the years that I kind of told myself that it's just too much hassle to bother getting a show of your own uh, and to have all that pressure. But I think at this point, I've realized it's something I've wanted for so long. Why not just do it? And I think at this point, I know enough about what I'm doing that it shouldn't be too difficult if I'm if I do it properly. So I would like to have my own night. I don't know what exactly it would be. I've tried many things by myself at Katie's. Like I've trialed ideas just to see how it works. But I would like to have a show. I would like to have a show that runs, I don't, I feel monthly would be good for my health. <laughs> you know, I could uh, with a sort of riding room show once a month, doing a nice sort of performing, live singing, drag. I could see that for you. Like you. Yeah. And like, I'm not like, the, the thing is like, I could do one woman shows or one human shows, uh, as I like to call them, <laughs> like till the end of days. But, like, I think specifically my goal is to have a, a night, like, where I can invite other entertainers in and we can do something, whether it's rehearsed or whether it's, uh, like, the typical setup. I just would like to be, I would like to be able to do that. I would like to prove to myself that I can do that. I think a lot of people, friends, would queue to, like, be a guest for your show, darling. Like, I know I would be one of them that, like, you need me, I'm there. <laughs> I mean, we'd always need a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think if I think about personal goals for 2021, um, to continue uh, my mental health journey and to get proper help with what I need, because as much as I've looked into getting help and as much as I've mentioned it countless times to many people, I think the one thing I haven't done is actually concrete done something about it. Like I've gotten close and I've like talked to people about going to see my GP about it. I've just not. So I would like to do that Um, because as much as, Every so often, I'll think, oh, there's no need. I'm happy now. That's not how it works. So, um, yeah, I would like to see, I would like to do that. Or maybe even, even if I don't do that, go to therapy, but actually go to a therapist in person. Because I tried therapy online and it just did nothing for me. And I wasted a lot of money. So... I would like to try therapy um, if possible. And I will just uh, to that, like, you are doing very well because you're on a journey that we all go through when we're needing to go to therapy for various things for mental health. And one of the biggest things is knowing that you need the help and asking and going. And that's the biggest part. Once you get over the barrier of needing to accept you need help, the rest does happen. It just takes time. So I think that you're already overcoming the obstacle and you're doing so well with that. And 
I have the, a lot of hope for you that you will manage. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah just continue to grow emotionally and to not take advantage of the opportunities that I get when work does come back and then sort of fall back into that routine of not thinking about yourself. I think that would be good. I think that's going to be the case for a lot of people. Me, you, a lot of people are going to have to go through that. And I think mm-hmm. manage. Franz, this has honestly been such a lovely episode for me to do. I have loved making the connection with you and catching up with you. But it's honestly been a lovely episode and such a privilege. Um, before we go, now, I know earlier we spoke about this and you weren't too sure, but we normally <laughs> with a cheeky quote to kind of sum up how how we're feeling or to inspire as a mantra. Is there anything that's came to your mind during this that stands out for you? Look, I'm not a well-read person. <laughs> uh if I had to pick a quote, I would probably say something like, oh, and every time I think about it, it's just the most cliche things, but they're cliche for a reason. Right. And I think, oh, I'm, I'm cringing saying it, <laughs> but the one thing that has consistently been true in my life thus far is the one quote that all queers love from Rocky Horror is don't dream it, be it. And it's, oh, I want to vomit. The thing is, I'm an introspective person. And as much as, as on a face value, don't dream it, be it is very like, okay, we get it. If you sit down and think about it, it's really the only advice you need. Like, if you want to go do something, it's literally as easy as doing it. And as much as it is very obvious, there are times I literally forget that. And I'll be like, do you want to be a a well-fed and clean person today? Well, you got to get out of your bed and you got to go shower and you got to feed yourself. Even if it's as simple as that. But if you want to get your own drag night, I, I have to go look for one. I have to go get one. It's not, you can't. Sitting on your arse does not a, an empire make. <laughs> <laughs> that is an iconic quote coming from an iconic human. I honestly, I love that you've sat dwelling on that this way. And it's one of the quotes I've lived my entire life by. It's just, it's it's just the quote. Like, there's nothing else you can say, really. Absolutely perfect. Franz, thank you so much for joining me, darling. I look forward to hopefully seeing you in person in 2021, and we'll bring these goals to surface. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> this was the perfect way to end season one. Everything Franz spoke about is so important. This pandemic changed so many people so many people had to spend months like myself and Franz really thinking about what they wanted from life what they then thought they maybe needed from life and who they actually wanted to be moving forward I have so much respect and love for Franz 
and hearing the healthy coping mechanisms and strategies that they've put in place long term. Anyone's mental health has been really taking a hit the last couple of weeks. Franz, to me, is someone to aspire to be and a role model and a beacon of light right now in everything that's going on for an artist's life. It's so interesting to close this episode and season talking about goals for the 2021 because Franz, for years, has been such an exceptional drag performer and entertainer. I'm surprised they've not started their own show and I have every hope and belief that in the future they're going to have their own drag show and I'm so glad that both of us are in positions now to have goals and aspirations for 2021 because as much as everyone's hoping things will go back to normal, it's going to take time, effort and a whole lot of strength and we need to, as a drag community, come together. There's no more drama bitterness if you're not happy with how someone's treated you I've said this countless times just being different because some people unfortunately you can't make them see the world for the way it is you can't the best thing to do is just move on this year has taught me that we need to as a drag community come together and help we build this drag community for a lot of people listening might not realize this but when I wanted to do drag six years ago, I was told by my boss I wasn't to do drag. Drag was their thing. That was it. And I said, no, I don't think so. And I was one of many who said the exact same thing. No, everyone should be able to do drag and we're going to make it happen. And these are the people that have came on the podcast who are going to help shape and bring the community back full force, kicking and screaming, death drop splits, ballads, singing. We're all going to make this happen in 2021. But it's going to take time, patience, and a sense of community. And we're going to do it. But it's going to take time. Before I go, this is my chance to now give a shout out to every single guest on Afternoon Delight. I can't believe that we've reached that many people on this show. What started off for me as a way of artists getting therapy, networking opportunities has swiftly grown to be a, a community. And I've met, met so many amazing people and got friendships, relationships, working relationships from it. I want to thank Rue Jazzle for being the first guest, Mandy Rose Jones coming on talking about the Empowered Women Project and pro-sex work, Dean Gummer telling us about Shopping King and the Drag King community, Lola Fierce promoting their work as a musician and drag artist, Catriona Kalkini for bringing to the discussion table polycystic ovarian syndrome and the arts and acting school. Lucy Jane, my wet-ass Lucy DJ producer, overall starlet, and bringing together some difficult discussions about the drag community and where it needs to go next. Raylene Goody, a friend who I've made who has cystic fibrosis like myself, who came on and talked about their after calf show experiences, and we paid tribute to Katie Jefferson, who sadly lost her life this year. Creativity, we had Heather Richardson from Creativity, us 
an 18-year-old queer artist and producer who's given me a run for my money. What an amazing, young, exceptional woman. Lorna Murray coming on and talking about the classical music scene and opera and how classical music was going to return. Fill her in, drag king exceptional extraordinaire and Kate's digital media artist. Salmonella, the lovely Salmonella, comedian, stand-up, Doctor Who fanatic. Still haven't watched an episode, hun, I'll be honest, but thank you for bringing that to my attention. My best friend and old flatmate, Alana Watson, Lana Lou, doing bi-visibility and where they plan to go next when we return to nightlife. One exceptional episode. Gary on Quizman, or is just Gary, if you know them in drag. Darling, I, th- I will be honest, your episode is still the only episode that had me in tears. So proud of you and can't wait to see what you do next year. Katie Williams from the BBC, we're in talks, gal, to do some beautiful work with the BBC social. We'll get some stuff together. You also really gave me the courage to talk about my eating disorder publicly for the first time in my whole life, and I'll always remember that. CJ Banks, gal, you know that you're amazing. You're a Scorpio living your life, but you honestly really gave me such a lovely sense of community from the Glasgow drag scene, and also... You are just fantastic. I look forward to seeing if we can potentially get some stuff going together in the future. And last but not least, transgender. Darling, thank you for making this last episode of Afternoon Delight truly special. And you are honestly amazing. Woohoo! We did it! Clap, 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 everyone. <laughs> what an amazing episode. Thank you so much for joining me on Afternoon Delight. We've been telling you real people, real stories, a local podcast for local people. I'm going to take two weeks off to recharge my batteries and get ready to share exceptional stories for season two. But until then, stay safe. Happy 2021 when it comes. And remember to breathe. Afternoon Delight. Real people, real stories, a local podcast for local people.